0: Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. Just a ton of families out uh, on vacation and traveling to see their families. Many of you are watching on our live stream today. Let's give them a hand as they join us from all over the United States and the world. Thank you for being with us. That We call that our, 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 basically our online campus, and we've got a ton of people watching on a weekly basis. And so we're just thrilled that you've decided to join us as well. Um, many of you know uh, that I grew up without a whole lot of male influence, and that which I had um, was pretty negative and abusive. Um, as a matter of fact, I spent a ton of time... Uh, my dad walked out when I was three years old, and it was just uh, my mom and us three kids, and I spent a ton of time in foster care, uh, not good foster care. I mean, we've got some good foster parents here at Metro Believers Church, and um, it's just been awesome to see that redeemed in my mind, in my heart, because (laughs) I didn't have a very good image of foster care um, as I came to Christ. And so uh, in and out of foster care. My mom was very ill, um, as a single parent and almost died several times. And then she did die when I was 18 years old. Um, and so, uh, the male influence that I had was, you know, off and on here and there. And then, um, when my mom remarried not too long before she passed away, um, that was very critical and negative and, um, somewhat abusive, uh, physically with discipline and, uh, also verbally and emotionally. So, um, you know, Father's Day has never been uh, one of my favorite days other than, uh, you know, I get to celebrate Father's Day as a father, right? Um, But in terms of, you know, being really excited about my father's, it hasn't been that way. Now, we've tried our best to redeem that over the years, and uh, I've developed a relationship with my um, stepfather as well as my biological father before he passed away. Um, so, but it wasn't easy. How many of you know that? It's, I mean, most of us come from a dysfunctional home. Uh, most of us do. I mean, the reality is none of us had perfect homes. For Furthermore, I'm, I'm sure somebody would say I did. I think I did. Um, but at, at any rate, the, my background and thinking about this day as I was preparing for my message this week, I was just thinking about that. It was, it was very difficult growing up. And then as I came to Christ, um, you know, how many of you know, you, you come to Christ and you still have to learn how to be a different person. It just doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, I, I could have easily said to my daughter, you know what, this is how I was raised. So this is what you get, <laughs> you know. And um, a lot of people do that. They just think, you know what, I that's just the way I was raised. You know, that that's that's who I am, you know like it or not, that's just who I am. But over time, as I began to grow in Christ and become a young father, I felt that uh, my daughter deserved more than I had. And uh, she didn't deserve to be mistreated and abused and be, you know, harshly raised and all of that. She didn't deserve that. Um, and so there was a time in my life, and Vicky can tell you this, that I made a serious transition from being this mean spirit, even as a believer, mean-spirited, harsh parent, to becoming a, a loving, caring dad um, that I think my daughter needed desperately. Is that correct? I got a card this morning from my wife, you know, talking about I'm the best h- father in the world. Um, just, and that so touched me as I opened it up. Uh, but here's the deal. All of us have baggage, right? All of us have issues. And we can, we can just, you know, say whatever. You know, that's just the way I am. And let our kids and their kids suffer for it. Or we can say the buck stops here. We can say, you know what? Whatever happened to me as I was growing up with my father, I'm not going to let that affect me. In the way I raise my daughter, and the the, the way I treat her, and the discipline I give her, and all of those things. I said, the buck stops here, and from here forward, we're going to change that generational curse, because all of my, you know, previous grandparents, and, you know, all of my uncles, and aunts, and everyone, my mom, my dad, have been divorced several times, and had a trail of, you know, leaving behind abuse, and you know, really difficult situations for those kids to really have a good shot at life. And so uh, I said the buck stops here. (laughs) And uh, by God's grace and to his glory, um, I was able to do that as a dad. And so today I just want to talk to you about some things that I think could help you, Um, things that helped me along the way, that helped me go from, you know, being... Uh, you know, sort of a a harsh dad, you know, and a huge taskmaster to being a dad that our kids will love. And that's the title of today's message, being a dad that our kids will love. And so if you don't have one of our outlines, uh, uh, ushers will hand one out to you. Slip up your hands if you would, please. They'll make sure everybody has one so that you can keep some good notes and have these for later on. I've listed um, very quickly um, just four responsibilities of parents. Four responsibilities of parents, and and these are just basic um, that we need to achieve. Whether you're a, a mom or a dad, and all of these, you know, are you know not gender specific. Um, but these are responsibilities that all of us, all of us, can learn something about. And the first responsibility is we need to prepare. Uh, your kids for life. And that's the missing blank there in your notes. Prepare your kids for life. Preparation is incredibly important for our kids. And, and we need to prepare our kids for life. We need to also protect our kids in storms as they're growing up. So you not only have to prepare, you have to protect. Third, uh, you need to learn how to play. Everyone say play. You need to learn how to play with your kids. Um, and have fun with your kids. And that's a lot of dads miss it right there. They don't realize how critical fun is to a kid. And so um, I know back in the day when I was, you know, pastoring churches and, you know, involved with speaking outside of the church and, you know, taking care of a staff and all that kind of stuff when my, my daughter was young, it was so easy to just ignore her and just kind of go through the motions and expect her to understand. And uh, she didn't. And so uh, we had fun together. We, we you know, played together. And on her, the night before her wedding, um, we played basketball together. Um, kind of the father of the bride deal, remember that in the movie, Father of the Bride? She, I said, so what do you want to do tonight? After, of course, the rehearsal and everything. She said, I want to play basketball with you, Dad. And so it was dark out. We, we had uh, to do it, you know, with the, with the light out there. But, you know, we had fun together. And fourth, you need to learn how to point your kids to God. You need to learn how to point them to Christ. You need to, how to learn how to be a good example to your children. And um, so how do you do this? How do you bring out the best of your kids? There are five foundational principles that I've listed here for you for fathering, or we can just use it as parenting, okay? Um, So the the first foundation is to accept their uniqueness, to accept their uniqueness. I mean, learning to recognize and value individuality is the starting point in good fathering. Every single child is unique. Every, every person is different. Every, every person is special. And sometimes we miss that as we're training our kids and raising our kids. We just, you know, we, we start to treat them alike. And that's not good because problems arise when we try to raise our kids the same way. If you haven't found that out by now, chances are you will at some point. Problems arise when, when we have the same expectations for our kids kids. Um, because they're different, right? Proverbs twenty-six or 22, 6 says, train up a, a child, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't, uh, they won't uh, turn from it. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean to train up a child in the way sh- they should go? It means three things. These aren't in your notes, but you may want to write this down. I ran out of room. In your notes, so, um, but you can still add these. It means basically three things to train up a child in the way they should go. First, it means train him up according to their stage or his or her stage of life that they're in right now. In other words, don't expect, you know, certain things from a two year old that you would expect from a 10 year old, right? And then you're upset because they can't perform or function at that level. It means training them up in the stage of life that they're in right now. It also means to train them up according to what their personal strengths are. you got to find those personal strengths in each child and train them up according to those personal strengths. It also means, uh, last but not least, training them up according to their style, style, everyone say style, that God has given them. Every child, every person has a style, a a particular, you know, way of doing things. And if we're not careful, we'll try to to change that, right? The Amplified Version says this. It says, train up a child in keeping with his individual gifts and bent. Think about that. In other words, how they're wired, how they're they're designed. Um, You, as a parent, have to sort of find that out. And uh, so what does that mean? What does it mean? It means you don't try to force them into your mold. You never never try to make an extrovert out of an introvert. (laughs) It won't work. (laughs) And you'll be very upset, you know, when you're at a restaurant and, and you want your introverted, very introverted child to face the waitress or the waiter or the server and order aloud you know, something from that child, you know, it's like, it's like, are you kidding me? That's emotional neglect there as abuse, you know, because they're so introverted and shy. I mean, you can stretch that, don't misunderstand me, but you don't want to break it, okay? And so, so be careful that you're not trying to take this child that you have that God has entrusted you with and change them into something that's more like your image and what you want, Because 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, God works through different people in what? Different ways. We're all different. We're not the same. And you and I, we're not like anybody else. And your children are not like everybody else. They're all different. And God warns us over and over and over in Scripture never to compare ourselves with ourselves because we're all unique. Look at this verse in Galatians 6 4. Each person should judge his own actions and what? Come on, help me now. And what? Not, say it, compare, not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud for what he himself has done. So the moment you and I, as parents, start comparing ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm better than this person or I'm not as good as that one. It's never good. It's never good. Comparing yourself is never good because if you think you're better than someone else, you'll have this ego thing going on Then arrogance and pride, right? And if you think you're not as good as anybody else, then you have this sense of, salt, uh, uh, you know, sort of going through this false motion of, of humility, and God doesn't want either one. He wants you to know that you can have confidence in who He made. Amen? So, how can you tell as a parent that uh, you've accepted your child's uniqueness? Good question. So, here's the deal if you want to know if you really have done that, then you, you stop trying to make them like you. If you want to know that that's what, that's what is happening, you've, you've stopped trying to change them and you've accepted their uniqueness. Uh, and you stop trying to mold them into your personal image, right? And uh, it's just crazy. You stop, you stop trying to make them like you with their hammer and sh- your hammer and chisel. Um, and I, I'll just tell you right now, it's it's amazing how many parents that I've watched over the years trying to raise their kids into their likeness and image. <laughs> You know they loved a particular sport, and you know they just decided that their kid was going to love that particular sport, and they drove them into the ground trying to get them to love that sport and be as good as they were in that particular sport. So you stop, you stop as a parent trying to make them into your image, and you start letting them be what God called them to be here on this planet. That's our job as parents. I hate to tell you that, that the world only needs one of you. All right, and one of my friends back in the day wrote a book. Said um, one of the quotes was, "You were born an original. Don't die a copy, and and you don't want your kids to die a copy. Just trying to fill your footsteps, and your shoes by being just like you, kind of a mini me. You're not trying to you're not trying to raise mini me's, okay, as a parent." And God has a unique design and a purpose for their lives. And you, as a parent, you're trying to help mold that and make that so God can get the glory of who he's called them to be. And so many parents try to make themselves, you know, or the kids in the carbon copies. Listen, God didn't bring your children into the world to satisfy your ego. God brought your children into the world to be what he wants them to be. Can I get a good amen? All right, number two. Number two. I want to fill in the blank? Affirm their value. As a father, you have to learn how to affirm their value. As a parent, you need to learn how to f- affirm their value. Everyone is starving for attention. I've met thousands of people in my lifetime, and I've never met a person who doesn't need affirmation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's desire, it's needed, you know, and we all go after it in different ways. We, we try to achieve it in different ways. But everyone's starving for this thing called affirmation. God, God values every one of us, and, and he, he affirms us, and He wants us to learn how to affirm others. Look at Matthew ten twenty nine here. Jesus said this. He said, not even a sparrow can fall to the ground without your heavenly father knowing it. And you are much more, underline that in your Bibles or your notes, if you would please. You're much more what? Valuable to him than a whole flock or a whole bunch of these things. Obviously, he's trying to make a point that you're valuable and precious and unique to him. And I know today, especially on Father's Day, um, we realize that some of us didn't grow up with the perfect father or the perfect parent. Because of that, sometimes we wonder about our value. We wonder if we have value. And I, I lived a long time, even to my adult life, trying to find someone to affirm me. A male, a male image to affirm me and, and to, you know, place value on my life. And, you know, there's people that go through an entire life trying to heal that daddy wound. And you may be sitting here right now that you have a father wound, a daddy wound, something that happened to you as a child, and it could have been something that happened horribly to you, you were abused in a particular way, or something that was just withheld. I love you, I'm proud of you. I care about you, I place value on you, and I affirm you. And so let me tell you, if if you missed it growing up, you know how much it matters because you didn't get it. Let me just put this to rest. First of all, right now, God values you more than you could possibly imagine. Just let that settle in. God values you more than you can possibly imagine. He loves every one of us. He values every one of us. God custom-designed you. Did you hear me? He, he custom-designed you for a particular purpose in life. He put certain things on the inside of you. Even if you were raised in a very dysfunctional, hurtful family, He still has placed things on the inside of you that could change the world if you let it. He custom-designed you and he values you, and he wants every one of our lives to make a difference. You know, God was in it from the beginning. I don't know if you know this or not, but God was in this whole deal from the beginning. Look at Psalm 139, a great verse that helps us understand how long God's been watching you and working on you. Verse 13 says this, God made all, everyone say all, God made all the delicate parts of my body, and he knit me together in my mother's womb. Did you know there's no accidental children? There may be parents that weren't planning on you. (laughs) But as soon as they came together and and did the deal, you know, um, God was involved right there. Boom, right? He, he actually made all, everyone say all, all the delicate parts of my body, and he knit me together in my mother's womb. How many of you think that's a pretty cool idea? That blesses me. That, that really encourages me that God had his hand upon me even before I ever came out of my mother's womb. Wow. And he goes on to say, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is so marvelous. Oh, what a, what a great verse of Scripture. So if you had any doubts about your value, no baby should ever have a, a doubt about their value. God values you. And you and I as parents have the opportunity to show our kids that they have value. They have value. That's one of our goals. That's one of our roles. It's one of our responsibilities. That's one of the ways that your kids will grow up And love you. So, um, I believe that if you're a parent, and your parents didn't didn't value you, that you understand how important this whole deal is. So, how do we do it? How how do we get this deal done? I think we need to just learn from God, right? If we want to learn how to be a good dad, we need to learn from God, because he's a good good what? Father. That's who he is. He's a good good father, and so. Uh, let me just give you these different things that we can learn from God before we get into the last three. These aren't in your notes as well. First of all, God loves us by paying attention to us. All right? This is, we want to look at how He did it. God loves us by paying attention to us. Matthew 10:30 says, God pays attention to you down to the last detail, even to numbering the hairs on your head. Wow. Hey, Doug, he doesn't have much to work with there, does he? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, as I've grown older, you know, he's, he, he has to count less. <laughs> so, yeah. But listen to that. He loves you down to the very last detail. He pays attention to you. He knows how to number the hairs on your head. Wow. I mean, God knows even the real color of your hair, ladies. Yeah, I mean he does. He you know, he, he he appreciates that and he notices that, right? I mean, so here's the deal, you can affirm your kids by just just noticing them and looking at them. You know, that may not sound like a very, you know, big deal, but it is. Eye contact. Eye con- paying attention. Eye contact is a very incredible, incredibly powerful thing to do just by looking at them. it, it, It speaks value when you just look at them and you're expressing the desire to look into their eyes and to see them. Put down your computer, your laptop, put down your tablet, put down your smartphone, and pay attention to your kids. You don't realize it, but just that simple, put that down and look at them, what that communicates to those kids especially as they grow up from young kids to adults. Second, second, uh, God loves us by showing us affection. Once again, these are not in your notes, but you can write them down. God shows us or loves us by showing affection. He, or Hosea 11 four says, I drew them to me with affection and with love. I picked them up and held them to my cheek. That's affection. That's, that's touch. That picture reminds me that people need loving touches. And your kids, your kids need loving touches, hugs and and touch. And you paying attention to them. And third, third, God loves us by showing appreciation. In Isaiah 43, it says, God says, you are precious to me. You're honored and I love you. I mean, that's showing appreciation, right? And And we can learn to show our kids appreciation to help us become dads that Our kids will love as they grow up. When's the last time you said something like that to your kids? (laughs) You're precious to me. You're honored and I love you. They need to hear that from you. You say, well, they know that. No, they need to hear that from you. They need, just like my wife, she needs to hear me say, I love you all the time. And I need to hear it from her. You know, I could just say, you know what? I told you I loved you 42 years ago. Tomorrow we'll be married right? And if anything change, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, it won't, that won't go over. That dog won't hunt. right? And so, so they need to hear you say those things that you honor and you value them and you love them. They need to hear it because when that happens, there's something that they feel inside of them that appreciates, see? When you appreciate your kids, it raises their value, just like your home. When your home appreciates, that means it's gone up in price. See? And so kids need to hear that from their parents. This is what I found out, is great people make people feel great. Right? Great people make people feel great. So let's look at now the third thing, foundation, to raising kids that will love us. Trust them with responsibility. That's the blank that's missing there. You can fill that in. Trust them with with responsibility. Nothing brings out the best any faster than having somebody believe in you. Having someone believe in you. Having someone trust you with responsibility. And uh, Jesus said that this is the way we grow. If you look at, if you look at Luke 16, it talks about being trusted in responsibility. It says this. It says, whoever can be trusted with a little can also be trusted with a lot. And if you cannot be trusted with things that belong to someone else, who will give you things of your own? See, people, people respond to responsibility. As a matter of fact, responsible means it means you're responsible. It says responsible literally means response-able, okay? Response-able. So when you give people responsibility, you give them the ability to respond to something, and you're teaching them something that will serve them well over their lifetime. And God says if you trust Him with little things, then as life goes on, you can begin to trust Him with greater and greater and greater. some of the most important skills in life is learning to be responsible, and nobody really is teaching that these days. Our society is not teaching that to our kids today. Maybe some of, of you parents are teaching that to your children. I hope and pray that that's happening, but no one in our society is teaching our kids to be responsible. Most most entities are teaching our kids to blame everybody else. I mean, you're a victim after all. It's not your fault. Blame the world. Blame circumstances. Blame your parents on everything that you're dealing with right now. It's their fault. All of us need to be trusted, right? Why? You need to be trusted in your life to prove yourself. Every one of us need to be able to prove ourselves to do do something we set out to do and, and be trusted with responsibility and get the job done. Why? That builds up confidence. Also, you ne- you have a need in your life to be given responsibility and even to give have mistakes, to make mistakes. How many of you know that? Kids, you need to be able to make mistakes. Parents, your kids need to be able to make mistakes and you still love them. And third, you, you need to have... Um, your life developed with competencies because of responsibility. So, listen, when I was preparing for ministry back in the 70s in my home church, I I was also the building contractor for our first building, our build-out. And uh, one day I was working away on the building, and I'll never forget, my pastor came up to me and said, Glenn, I believe in you. I believe God has a call of God on your life. And I believe that that he has a preaching call. And um, I'd like to ask you um, to preach on a a Wednesday night coming up. It gave me time. And uh, I'll never forget it. See, it changed my life. And then he said, as he was getting ready to walk away, he said, Glenn, I believe in you. I trust you. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake. That's okay. Just go for it and knock it out of the ballpark. Wow. I mean, just think about that. The guy that had a call at 12 years of age into ministry, God visited me and specifically called me into ministry. And, and all these years later, you know, I have a pastor who saw that in me. I didn't, I didn't try to convince him. He saw that in me and approached me and gave me the opportunity and responsibility to do something. And I've tried my best to do that same thing for other people over the years. Opportunity to do something significant. I was just a kid. You know, I was only, what, 23, 22 years old at the time. And uh, But he believed in me, and it cha- that conversation has changed my life. I'll never forget every single word he said to me. Never forget it. Why? It just because he believed in me. And Galatians 6:5 says, we're each responsible for our own conduct, our own conduct. We can learn about life from not only our victories, but also our failures. And so I could have, I could have easily, you know, not done a good job, and he would have still loved me and trust me, and he would have helped me become better at it. The fourth thing that I think as parents we need to do, especially fathers since it's Father's Day, is we need to learn how to correct without condemning. There's that missing blank. We need to learn how to correct without condemning. And there's none of us in this room that doesn't need to be corrected from time to time. <laughs> I know I do. But none of us want to be condemned. You know, get beat up over it. And that's what we need to learn how to do to our kids, is we need to learn how to correct without condemning. And none of us, none of us in this room are perfect, and none of us have perfect kids. That may come as a shock to you. <laughs> you don't have perfect kids, you know. But they all need correcting, and we do too. Someone once said that, you know, it's, it's one thing for you to love your kids, it's a whole other thing for people to love your kids. <laughs> In other words, you may not have a perfect child, right? So we all need to learn how to correct without condemning. God does this with us. How many of you know that? He Bible says that he corrects those he loves. He disciplines those he loves. And some of you think, well, I'm really good at that. I just I'd encourage you to ask your children and your spouse, how how do I do in this area? How how do I do when it comes to correcting without condemning? You may be surprised at what they have to say. Sometimes we don't even realize, and this is one of the things that I didn't realize as a young father, sometimes we don't even realize the harsh and the mean words of correction that we have and that we can use sometimes. Vicky challenged me on that for a long time. You don't realize how you're coming across. You don't realize the things that you say and how, how harsh they can be. And, and, you know, that can just turn into an argument, <laughs> or you can tuck it away and say, you know what, I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that with me. That uh, doesn't mean we stop disciplining our kids, right? How I mean, of you know we don't stop disciplining our kids? That's, that's, a, that's a disaster waiting to happen. If you don't discipline your kids, a couple of things will be true for you. Write these down. They're not in your notes. You'll be setting them up for failure, if you, if you choose to just back away from your children and say, you know what, I'd, I'd rather just let them be. How many of you know that's not a good idea? Matt does, okay. So how many of you know that's not a good idea, just to let them be? Let them, never discipline them. So, so if, you don't, if you don't discipline them, you'll be setting them up for disaster, for failure. Check this out, Proverbs nineteen eighteen discipline your children while they're young enough to learn. If you, everyone say this next word, if you what? If you don't, you're only helping them destroy themselves. Wow. Don't do that. Second, from a biblical perspective, it means you really don't love your kids when you don't discipline them. Proverbs 13, 24 says, if you refuse To discipline your kids, it proves that you don't love them. It proves that you don't love them. So how do we do it in a wise way? A couple things that might help you. You can jot these down as well. They're not in your notes. First, never correct in anger. It was one of my problems as a young father. You know, Rhonda would do something and it would just get my goat. (laughs) And I would get upset. You know, I'd go from zero to 60 and like, a second, and my fuse was pretty short, and she would do something, and I, I would be angry about it, and I would discipline. And I had to learn a different lifestyle. How I many of you know we, we as Christians need to learn a different lifestyle? Amen? We need to learn to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. So don't just say it, you know, I'm Irish, and that's just the way I was grazed, all that, right? So don't correct in anger because the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with loving discipline, with suggestions and godly advice. Wow, that's a whole other way of doing it. See, correcting in anger always creates resentment in return. I'm gonna say that again. Correcting in anger always creates resentment in return. So don't correct in anger. And secondly, watch your words. These are just basic, simple things. They're game changers though. Watch your words when you're correcting your kids so you don't condemn them. Your words are so important, incredibly important. And Ephesians 4:29 says, don't use harmful words. Use only helpful words, the kind that should build them up or build up. Listen, harmful words create hurtful memories. Harmful words create Hurtful memories. In fact, even as I said that, some of you can remember back 10, 15, 20, 30 years back when you were a kid of some things that were said to you and it was like it was yesterday. That's how quickly they can come back. That's how hurtful memories, those memories can be. Even sometimes using put-downs and harmful words, might motivate your kids and get the result you want, but I can promise you it's going to do something on the inside of them that will not be healthy. If you're, if you're going to do that, it's going to plant seeds, of them, seeds in them of rebellion. When you choose that route, I'm just going to say it harsh, I'm going to say it harmful, I'm going to put them down, I'm going to say you stupid thing, I'm going to, all those words that are hurtful because it gets me the results that I want but it's going to create a seed of rebellion it's going to cause hurtful memories in them it's going to hurt them more than help them did you hear me and last but not least number 5 of foundation for raising your kids up is love them unconditionally love them unconditionally and there's basically two ways you do that, and that's not in your notes as well. You can write these down. First, first is always by extending forgiveness to them. Loving them unconditionally really means that you forgive them along the way. I mean, we talked about failures, and, 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 and you have to learn how to forgive them when they make a mistake or when they fail or fall, see, and a lot of people, a lot of parents, discipline for mistakes instead of disobedience. We shouldn't we shouldn't discipline just for a you spilled the milk now, you know you got to stay in your room for three hours. Hello, talk about damage. But Ephesians 4:32 says, "Be kind and loving to each other, including your kids, forgiving." each other just as God forgave you in Christ. Circle those words just as in your notes or your Bible. Just as. Listen, we forgive our children because we've been forgiven. See, forgiven people ought to be forgiving. And, and, and God, we mess up, God forgives us, and then our kids mess up, and we just not only correct, but we condemn. And we rub their nose in it. The truth is, you're going to get hurt as a parent. Just understand that now. You know that if you're a parent. You're going to be hurt as a parent. But godly parents keep on loving regardless. Just as we've been forgiven, we forgive them. And so as a parent, as a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife, you're going to need massive doses of forgiveness in your life to get through this season of life. Let me give you a couple ways that you can love unconditionally. The the first one was forgiving. The second one is never give up on them. Forgive them and never, ever forget or give up on them. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love knows no limits to its endurance, no ends to its trust, no fading of its hope, it, love, can outlast anything. See, real real love never gives up on people when they mess up, when they get into drugs or they mess up in relationships. It's so, it's so difficult sometimes when we see our kids making stupid mistakes and doing things we've taught them against over and over their whole life. And all of a sudden, they grow up and they start doing foolish things. And sometimes it's hard to love them in spite of it. It's hard to not to give up on them and walk away. But love, according to the Bible, never gives up. Everyone say it never gives up. It never gives up. Listen, we've all messed up, and we need somebody in our lives, especially our mom or our dad or both, that never gives up. Dad, a great dad, doesn't rub it in. He helps rub it out. See, you can, you can try to rub it in, the mistakes they made, and constantly remind them of it, and rub it in their face. No, a great dad rubs it out of their life. Great dads walk in when everybody else is walking out. Great dads say, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. You're my son or my daughter, and I'm not giving up. Mount, the, the mountains in Isaiah, the mountains and the hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end, says the Lord who loves you. Listen, that's the way we need to live with our kids. I don't know if you've realized as we're going through this list today, but these five actions of fathering are the way that God loves us. Five different ways. Your Heavenly Father accepts your uniqueness, He affirms your value. He trusts you with responsibility. I mean, He's trusting us with the gospel to go to all four corners of the earth. He trusts us as human beings. He corrects us without without condemning us. There's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Corrects us without condemning us. And He loves us unconditionally. So how do we do this for our kids? Last verse. Last verse, the worship team can come. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 26, reverence, check this out, reverence for God. What does that mean? Respect and honor that awe. Reverence, revering. And your kids see that. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. Dads, you need this. You need deep strength to be the parent that your kids will love. Deep strength, his children, check this out, his children have a place of refuge and security. The number one things that kids are looking for, survey after survey, is a sense of security. My mom and dad will be together as I grow older and not split. That's the number one thing that they want. They don't want the best shoes. They don't want the best, you know, clothes. They want, they, they need a sense of security in their lives. Let's all stand together if we could, please. Hopefully this has helped you today as a parent, as a person. As I was reflecting this week on Father's Day and parenting and Vicky and I, I've been out of that for some years. We have a 17-year-old granddaughter. I know I don't look that old. But, and we're still working with our granddaughter, loving her, caring for her, helping to pull these off with her, and people around us, and ourselves, and with my spouse. To do those basic five foundational things they're game changers God wants to just deposit on the inside of you the ability to walk this stuff out and it's going to take some effort on your part to get close to him reverence, reverence for God gives a man deep strength Love and that commitment and that hunger for God gives a man deep strength and that's what we need to do this right because our kids need a place of refuge and they need to feel secure. Walter, in your arms, Chris, needs to feel secure as that young boy grows up to a man and the way you live and the way you act and the way you treat him and the things you embrace and the and the way you raise that child is so important for all of us. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. God, we're we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you don't give up on us when we mess up for the hundredth time or the thousandth time. We just don't do what the Word says and we fall short. We sin. God, would you please give us the capacity and the ability to walk out your Word. First, to embrace it. To just believe in what you said and choose to become a doer of your Word and not just a hearer only. God, would you help us walk out your love for our kids and your affirmation and your value, and your ability to correct without condemning and loving unconditionally. God, would you do that? This morning, if you're here and you'd say, I, I, I need some of that in my life, and I'm asking God today to extend his hand of grace and mercy towards me and my home enable me to be this kind of a parent. If that's you, would you just let me raise up your hand? I want to pray for you. Raise it up. Don't be ashamed. God bless you all over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you see those hands and they represent hearts. Just that desire and that hunger to, to do it right, God. We don't want we don't want to deposit things in our kids that takes counseling by someone else for years to help work it out. Some of us have experienced those hurts and are in counseling and having to try and get it right now because of things that happened when we were small. We don't want our kids to be like that, God. So help us. Help us. Take this parenting thing seriously worship and honor you. thank you for all those who raise their hands visit them touch their lives help them be a man or a woman of God you've called them to be now we're going to worship for just a minute or two here and we have our pastoral team on both sides of the auditorium if you'd like someone to agree with you in prayer about something specific please feel free all the other stations over there that you may be able, be able to want to use as well. So let's just worship the Lord and somehow whatever's going through your be... heart. If you want to know more about life lessons, check us out online at MetroBelievers.com. Or write to us at Metro Believers Church, P.O. Box 45702. Madison, Wisconsin 53744.